are exactly what he said to the children of Israel. In one single word, repent. Repent. As we read the churches, I know your works, I know what you're doing, here's what you need to do. I know what you're doing, here's what you should do. I know what you're doing, this is where you ought to do. Well, as he kept saying to these churches, when we started through Ephesus, and we finally, last week, we saw the last church of Laodicea. Kind of in time, it's, it's a church that Jesus isn't even there anymore. Jesus is a name only. Jesus does not even exist in the latter-day churches. Now, as, as, as even in the day of Israel, remember in the day of Ahab, when Jezebel was running the country, basically. Ahab was the northern kingdom, but they influenced the southern kingdom so much with the Baal worship. And then finally, Elijah and the battle, the battle with the prophets was what? A battle for the name of God. And at the end of the day, out of those, all those thousands and millions of people in Israel, God says 7,000. Perfect number, again, seven. But God will always have that small remnant. There will always be the church that is true to God. And that's what we see today. That's what Elmira is. Elmira would be more like Ephesus in the description, except we do have the love. Kind of a Elmira with a little bit of Philadelphia. And you can kind of blend the churches. But as we saw the... the the general demise of the churches, they started out strong, loving, and they finally ended up with, we don't need Jesus. What do we need him for? We, we, we need Jesus at all. And, then, and we saw that with the church, that they said they have everything. And then we see Jesus was outside, remember? Jesus is outside the door, the door into the church. And we see that when Jesus said, I am the door. At the same passage in John when he said, I am the good shepherd. But what we're going to do now is we're going to change a little bit, and we're really going to see some Old Testament. I hope that I have enough time to get through all this, but we're, let's get started. Revelation chapter 4, and I'm going to read the chapter, and then we're going to take off. Revelation 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show these things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat on was to look upon, like a jasper and a sardin. A jasper is like a diamond, perfectly clear. And a sardin, that's red. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Wow, I mean, just that verse. Can you picture that? Can you stop in your mind's eye for one second, and all of a sudden you just look, and that's the first thing you see. The beauty, the color. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, or thrones, same word. And the seats, I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings and voices and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God verse 6 and before the throne there was the sea of glass like unto crystal and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts or living creatures full of eyes before and behind and the first beast was like a lion and the second beast was like a calf and the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was as a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when the beast gave glory and honor, and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. The four and the twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, thou art worthy. I just want to sing that song. O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and they were created. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, Father, as we read these words, Lord, you promised us a blessing again. But he that readeth and he that heareth, Lord. And, oh, Father, we're so blessed to see that this glory that is to behold us, Lord, that the hope that we have to come 
and stand before this throne with you, Father, and to serve you and seek you with all the ages, Lord. Even now, Father, help me to utter these words and in a way that give clarity to thy people, Lord. Even now, Father, we ask your forgiveness of our sins and cleansing. And, Father, that you would give us an ear to hear. Open thy word to us now, Father, and just be glorified in the eyes of your saints. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we start this transition, this is sort of the beginning of the end. But like anything else, God's not about judgment. I'm one up. God's not about judging us and wiping us and these lightning bolts that we saw the riddle, the gloom, the horrors that's coming upon those that dwell upon the earth. When we read, you know, hundred pound talents, the the flame scorching men, scorpions stinging and killing, and death and hatred and just the world we know it has fallen apart. But see, it all starts the glory of God. And we're going to go back to the Old Testament and start to see some of these examples. And if you take the outline, we're going to follow the, oh, there's so much here. I, I could use a month to go through this verse. I really could. But we're going to speed up to it. But we start, the first thing we start is, where's God? Where's God in all this and everything? You know, we look around us and we see the evil every day. And we sometimes our prayers are like brass and we see hardness. And yet in the midst of that, it's like the rose growing through a rock. You know, and all the gloom and doom and death and God gives that little bit of life he gives us that ray of hope he just gives us that peace but God wants us to see this and this is no different see we treat revelation as it's something different it's a different book all of itself and of course it is but it's the same God the same God that spoke to Adam in the garden it's the same God that's speaking to the churches the same God that spoke to the prophets, rising up early, raising them up, saying the same thing over and over and over. Return unto me, repent. Stop what you're doing, come love me. Make me first in your life. And then we know the story of Israel and why they, why they are they are. But God didn't give up on Israel. Now we have this, what we call the New Testament. And all the verses of the New Testament are all pointing to the church which is an amazing thing because if you really stop to realize when Paul says that this is a mystery, what's the mystery? The mystery of the church. When you go through the Old Testament, we see all these judgments coming, but we don't see the church. The church was hidden. The church was veiled. Oh, there's little glimpses and snippets kind of it, but not like God coming back, not like the millennial reign, not like the promises where Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Jeremiah, these books are full of nothing but the promises of the millennial reign. That God promised Christ is going to come back. And he's going to come back. He's going to rule on this earth. He's going to be in a temple. And we are going to come to worship him. And all the nations of this world are going to come and worship. And when you get to the end of Revelation, you can see what happens after a thousand years. Another battle comes out. Satan's released. Why? Well, find out the hearts of man still sinful, even in a perfect environment. It takes the blood of Jesus. But see, when we start this, where's God? Look at our first verse one. The Lord is on his throne. Where's Jesus? Anybody know where Jesus is at right now? Well, isn't he dwelling in monks where two or more gather? I'm with you. That's true, isn't he? But is he not? Remember when Stephen was getting stoned? What did he do? He looked up and, oh, there's Jesus. There's Jesus. See, he's in heaven, but he's also in our midst. But he's on his throne, and God's going to rule this world just as it's his world. We are guests. We are visitors. Sometimes we're even aliens. But let's start. We're going to start on the outline here and following down. We're going to see the sequence of events. He starts with, and we saw that. He says, in verse 1, after this. After what? After what he just went through the church, writing down all the churches, the here and the now. And he's going to start. Now we transition to the future. After this, I looked. Now, that's one thing, as you, you see in our list there. I looked 70 times. It's written in Revelation. Do you think John saw what he saw? Do you believe when he says, I looked, and then when he says, I saw, another 35 times. And I beheld seven times. I mean, and, and again, I was, sorry, I was looking at this. didn't mean to put it this way, but remember when we started Revelation, I showed you how it's a book written in sevens? Seven, 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 seven. I mean, it literally, if you go like this, sevens fall out. I mean, literally, they will fall out of Revelation. There's, there's so many, you just, it, it, it's almost innumerable. How great is our God, his mind, to give us perfect, comprehensive English or Greek, and all these numbers fit. 
it's amazing. But either way, we see him, he starts looking. And he tells us he looked, he saw, and what's the first thing he sees? What's the very first thing you see? First thing we should all see, a door. And that's when Jesus, the door is Jesus. So just, there's, you know. This book is so full of types and analogies, you got to be careful. And as we start going, we're going to start seeing, when he says the door was open, that was one I believe he actually saw. But every time, every time you read, you see like, as, similar to, all these, he's trying to describe the indescribable. And so he says, he saw, he looked, see, he saw with his eye, and I heard. Now, see, all his physical senses are in play. He's hearing it, he's seeing it, he's feeling it, the sound of it. But what happens? What, what does, what's the first command here? And once the door is open, he said, I heard, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, and it says, come up hither. And that is a lovely word. I mean, I, that's a phrase I kind of like to expound just for a smidgen, because the phrase is mentioned so many times, and one of the greatest times that is mentioned is the two witnesses. If we go down in Revelation, what happens? The Bible literally says, Come up hither. The exact phrase, and what are they doing? The Bible says their enemies looking with their eyeballs. They're watching them. Remember when Jesus was at, when, on, on the crucif- after he was crucified, and he's with the disciples. The Bible says he was caught up. He came up. They watched him, and they're standing there watching him caught up in the crowd. The exact same phrase. And that's why this is, one, a good symbolic picture why the church is not going to be here. And if you know your doctrines of the rapture, we believe that rapture, reptilism. And, you know, you'll hear that the Bible does not exist. Nowhere does the word rapture. That's right. It doesn't. But it says caught up, snatched. Another verse means snatched. Boom. Well, that sounds pretty fast. The Bible says in the twinkling of an eye. We'll try to get to Thessalonians. If you haven't read Thessalonians, when he says that, we're going to be gathered up in the twinkling of an eye. But I want to see what's coming up here. In fact, there's Revelation 4. And he says, know ye not. And Paul's telling us we're going to be caught away. We're going to be caught up. We're not going through the rapture. Now, Without going into the, the, the amillennialists and all these other different, <clears throat> you want to go study that, go for it. Just take your Bible for what it says. You know, it's easier to believe the Bible by what it says. But when, when it's not clear enough, you will know it. But so he says, come on up here. And we're going to see that. I want to take you some picture of the raptures. And to start, just to begin, where God has said to us, we are not appointed unto wrath. Now, does that mean we don't get punished? Oh, of course, to whom the Lord loves, he chastens us. He whips us. But the wrath, the day of the Lord is the wrath of God. They're, they're synonymous. And we read that over and out. The prophets, especially you start going through Joel and Zechariah, and you see about the days of the Lord, or you'll always read this phrase, in the latter days, which will generally always reference the millennium. So as you read these in your Bibles, but let's go, let's turn back a second. Let's go, no, let's just go back to Genesis. We'll take a gen. I'll do it backwards. In, in Genesis, remember what God said to Noah? We, we had the flood. What was the flood? Anybody know what the flood was for? Why was the flood? Why? Because the hearts of men were continually wicked at all times. Man was wicked. Man didn't think about God. God was not in all their thoughts. Not at all. Not at all. They wouldn't come to the Lord. They reject. We saw the word. You know, you, you read the Genesis, what was happening up to the flood. It was just only Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. But... Now, God told Noah the flood's coming, 120 years, right? Remember, God's telling him he's going to come, going to come, going to come. In Genesis 5, he proves him. But in Genesis 7, when I say Genesis 7, in Genesis 7, it, God, excuse me, and the Lord, Genesis 7, verse 1, and God has already given them commandment, all the food, to break everything in the ark, how to build the ark. But in verse 1, and the Lord said unto Noah, come thou and all thy house, Genesis 7, 1, and all thy house into the ark, not outside of it, not around it, but in it. For thee only have I seen righteous before me in thy generation. And then he goes on to explain how he's going to take seven beasts and everything. But my point is, God said, come in. And then if you know the story, what happened? Who closed the door? Only one door in that ark. Only one way into that ark. Only one way in and only one way out. Who closed the door? If you mean before the flames, the Bible says God closed the door. You can't get into heaven no other way unless you come through God's way. There's only one door. Jesus said, I'm the door. Yeah. Job believed in that. Job believed it. Genesis, I'm trying to tell Genesis, real prove it. I don't want to bog down too much time in this, the doctrine of rapture that we are, in fact, going to be transported out here in the twinkling of an eye, and we will meet him in the air. 
But God showed us in the Old Testament. He proved it. He didn't appoint us to this wrath. He didn't want to judge us. Turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 26. And it's a small little verse. Again, this is Isaiah's reading all the judgments that's coming down. At this point, we're going to go back to Isaiah so he can hold you a spot there as we bounce back later. But in Isaiah chapter 26, um, God just telling them all these judgments that are coming. The last few chapters have just been judgment, judgment, judgment coming. Isaiah chapter 1, how do people turn their hearts to them? God can't stand the sacrifice no more. Away with your new moons. But in Isaiah 6, 21, well, let's, let's back it up. But 19, Isaiah 26, 19. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. Well, there's the resurrection. Shall they arise? Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust. For thy dew is as a dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Well, that's coming up in Revelation 20. But look at verse 20. Before this resurrection, come. There we go again. God's invitation to come. Come, ye that are thirsty. Ye got no money. Come. Come, my people. Enter thou into thy chambers, and shut the doors about thee. Where, where? Into thy chambers. Hmm. And shut the doors about thee. Hide thyself for a little moment until the indignation be passed. Well, the indignation is God's wrath. God's just given us one a little glimpse how he pulls us out. We're not subject to the wrath of God. We're not going to be under the wrath of God. And yet, there we see it. God's invitation. God tells Isaiah 118, come. Come, let us reason together. Remember that? Though your sins be as scarlet, God is still calling us. Then he says in Isaiah 55, come ye, ye that are thirsty. You're tired of sin? You're tired of drinking this world? You're tired of what the world has to offer? You just, uh, it's almost like you ever, you ever do a lot of sports or athletes or working real hard and you try to drink a Coke? It just don't satisfy your thirst. I mean, you drink one Coke, you drink another, but you drink water. Works great. See, water will quench your thirst. But all these other things we drink, these juices and aids, and they just don't do what water does. The simplicity of water. And Jesus is the water of life. But see, he tells us to come. And you know the last verse, the very last verse, the very last thing in Revelation, the Spirit and the bride say, come. God's been calling us come all the time. He'd been ever since he walked after Adam. Ever since he followed him and said, Adam, where are you? He's been calling and coming. But we find that, see, as these are just a couple types of shadows. And there's some others. We know Enoch. Remember Enoch? The Bible says he was not. Why? Walk with God. Do you know when Enoch was taken out of the world? Before the flood. He didn't go through the flood. Didn't go after it. Now Noah went through the flood. Just like the nation Israel. They're going to have to go through. And they're going to go through. In fact, I'll show you. I'll digress on you. It's an amazing little tidbit, tidbit of point. Turn to Hosea. Hosea chapter 5. Get you guys studying. Your, get to flipping some pages. Me too, for that matter. Ezekiel, Daniel, and then Hosea. Hosea chapter 5 is another story. It's a love story. Hosea is a, just a beautiful, beautiful. And he was contemporary with Isaiah, so this is running about the same time. In, Isaiah, in Hosea chapter 5, this verse 1 set the context. Hear ye this, O priest, and hearken ye house of Israel, and give ear. Same thing God's been saying in Revelation. Give ear, O house of the king, for judgment is towards you, because you have been a snare to mitzvah, and a net spread on Tabor. Well, mitzvah was a promise. If you remember, that was a promise where Laban and Jacob, it's a watchtower. God's going to watch. But he starts talking about the judgment. Now let's turn, follow, turn down, go down to um, verse 14. Hosea 5, 14. Please follow me. For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion. See, God is judging Israel. God's going to tell them. He's literally going to wipe them off the earth. I mean, we've been, he's been telling us he's going to wipe out the temple. He's going to just wipe out everything. Babylon's coming. Why? Because of their sin. And as a young lion, verse 14, to the house of Israel, I, even I, who's this? This is God talking. I, God, I will tear and go away. Wow, what a loving, gentle God, huh? I will take away and none will rescue him. God's saying, I'm going to wipe Ephraim 
right out. They're leaving their country. They're going to lose their identity. They're idols. I've had enough. It's a stench. You read Isaiah 1. It's a stench into my nostrils. Away with you. No more. But look at verse 15. This is what I want you to see. I, remember who's talking, the context. This is God. This is Jehovah, Yahweh. He's speaking and he's saying, I will go and return to my place. Well, where's his place? Where's God's place? He's in the throne. God's in the throne, correct? Till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Well, if you understand with the 70 weeks of Daniel and the judgment, what we're we're seeing this evening with a judgment when God says he's going to come back to the land. He's going to restore, but Messiah will be cut off. That was Christ cut off. And then he said they're going to go hide until they say, in fact, remember when Jesus was riding in on that donkey, fulfilling the 69th week, making the 69th week of Daniel? He's riding a donkey, and the Pharisees are screaming, Lord, what did it make those children stop crying? Because they were praying Hosanna. And he, he said the, the, the rocks would cry out. That verse would have to be fulfilled because he said, you shall not seek me until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus told to Israel, you're never going to see me again until you say that. And that's what the, what the tribulation is about. The tribulation is the punishment of Israel's sin, the blood from the from very first Abel that died, his blood that went into the ground, all the way to Zacchaeus when he said, and then now Revelation tells us uh, Ananias who were killed. Every prophet when we read Revelation 5, we're going to see, they said, Lord, when are you going to judge us for the blood? God's point in Revelation is to cleanse the earth of the sin, that the curse is going to be lifted, it's going to be removed. God's people are going to be redeemed, but Israel's going to have to go through the fire. Israel's going to go through the trial. And then we see right here, this is just a whole blimp, verse 15, Hosea 5, 15, covering the whole span of time. And if you don't believe me, Let's read chapter 6, verse 1. Remember, there's no chapter breaks in the Old Testament. These are scrolls, just one continuous page. Look at verse 6. I learned this, remember this a long time ago. Come, and let us return unto the Lord. Well, that's funny. Didn't the verse before tells us God's gone. Now they're going to come back to the Lord. For he hath torn. God's judged the nation of Israel, the Holocaust, some of these evil that the nation of Israel had to endure as a people for thousands of years. And he will heal us. He has smitten. And he will bind us up. Again, we're talking about the Lord. Now, this is Israel saying, come, let's go back. But watch verse 2. And after two days, he will revive us. You know exactly how long it's been before Israel became back a nation again? Israel was out of the land for, I don't know, about 2,000 years, huh? It's funny the way God's prophecies worked to the T. See, because the Bible interprets the day of the Lord's a thousand years, a thousand years of the day. We use that analogy of the time because God's not in time. It does not mean one day is a thousand years on God's clock, so we have that ratio, like converting Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit to centigrade or something, or milliseconds. But we see in verse 2, or verse 1, to verse 2, and the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. This is a prophetic verse to Israel. Showing that God in roughly 2,000, maybe 3,000 years. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to put a date saying on that, but it's just clear. It's been 2,000 years. Israel's back as a nation. That's never happened in anywhere in any of them. Because when was the last time, you know, you met a Babylonian? Met an Amorite lately? You know, there's a lot of tribes that just don't exist anymore. They're wiped out. Israel was wiped out, but they came back into the land. So let's continue on. See, we're going to see... God is showing us this picture in Revelation that back in Revelation 4. And this is just the beginning. He's just going to show us these things and what's he's going to do. And now he's on the throne and he sees one, verse 2. He sees, immediately I was in the Spirit in Revelation 2, 4, 2. And behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Let's see if I got that next. I'm wrong one. I'm off one. I'm off one. But we're going to see, when he sees there, I'm going to take you back and again, just a little bit of history. Let's go back and see. This is this verse is nothing new. This has been seen before. Turn back, if you will, to Ezekiel. We're going to go to Ezekiel, and then we're going to go to Daniel. If you would, Ezekiel chapter 1. And, and it's the, literally the exact same um, statement as we'll see. This Bible is such a wonderful book. And as Solomon once said, there's nothing new under the sun. Let's look at Ezekiel 1. 
in verse 26. But Ezekiel 1, he's starting out. I mean, Ezekiel, if you remember him, he's a priest. He's a priest. He's been captured. He's fairly young at this stage. but He'd been captured, caught over to Israel. And, and the Bible tells you he's sitting by the river. And then all of a sudden, all these visions come to him. But I just want to park it out in this one. Verse 1, Ezekiel 1, 26. And above the firmament that was over their heads with the likeness of a throne... And you read this in light of what he's saying here in Revelation. And as the appearance of a sapphire stone, and upon the likeness of the throne, the likeness of the appearance of man above it. And verse 27, and I saw, again, he's seeing the odor of amber, sort of brown, the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins, even upward, from the appearance of his loins, even downward, I saw the appearance of fire and brightness round about. Verse 28, and the appearance of the bow in the cloud and the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Wow. Just like Revelation. You think Revelation's copying what he said, huh? But John saw, Ezekiel saw. What did they see? They saw the God of glory. The same heaven, the same God that we serve in his brightness and his likeness. And he, look at Revelation, let me read you Revelation 1. Remember the description of Jesus? In Revelation 1, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, verse 13, one like unto the Son of Man. Verse 14, his head and hairs were white like wool. We'll see that in a minute. As white as snow and his eyes were flame. But verse 15, and his feet like unto fine brass and they burned as the furnace. Ezekiel's seeing Jesus. He's looking right there and he's seeing Jesus. And he gets so much praise and glory. And Ezekiel, I believe it's Ezekiel 10, has another vision. No, no, Dan, yeah, Ezekiel 10. Turn there a second. See if I can find it. It's another description of heaven. Yeah, Ezekiel 10, verse 1. And I looked, and behold, wow, isn't that what John says? <laughs> I look, and behold, John said the same thing, and immediately I was at verse 2 of the Revelation, and behold, a throne. Ezekiel's telling us, behold, both these people, because God wants us to see, look, and see the glory of the Lord. Look at the firmament with above his head, verse 1, Ezekiel 10, 1. The head of the cherubims there appeared over them as were a sapphire stone, as appearance of the likeness of a throne. And he spake unto me, a man clothed with linen. I'm in these Beautiful, beautiful pictures of Jesus Christ. The same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's going to be the same when we worship him in the millennium. But see, turn to Daniel. Turn to Daniel chapter. Daniel was another. Remember, remember the story of Daniel? He was very young. He was a teenager. And he was also captured to Babylon. Now, we don't know if Daniel and Ezekiel had any conversation together. The Bible doesn't reveal that. But what God revealed to Daniel as a young kid who set his mind early and purposed his heart to follow God, God gave him visions. God gave him plenty of things to see. Look at Daniel chapter 7. We'll pick it up in um, verse 9. Daniel's giving his, the prophecy of all time. But in verse 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancients of days did sit whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, his wheels of burning fire. Does that not sound like the throne in Revelation? And I beheld because a voice of great words from the horn spake. And we're going to see that, because if we start looking, we're going to see voices keep coming out of the throne. Voices come out of the throne as we move on. We're going to see God doing that. Um, verse 5 of Revelation, out of the throne proceeded voices. So we see pictures of the Old Testament. John trying to describe the impossible. Daniel's trying to describe the impossible. Ezekiel's trying to describe the impossible. Manoah, he looked up. If you remember that, when Ahab, the story when Ahab was going to uh, go to war and said, well, all these prophets in there, a good prophet here. Well, there's one, but I don't like what he has to say. Well, let's see, listen to him anyway. And Manoah looked up in Kings, first Kings, and he saw the throne of the Lord of God. God reveals himself to many people in many ways, and his glory is just beyond description. But let's move on. We've got to keep going. We're running out of time here. 
And in verse 2, immediately I was in the spirit, and I beheld a throne set. Verse 3, I saw the heat of sat to look upon with jasper and sardin and stone. And there was a rainbow around the throne on the side of his emerald. I just can't even begin to comprehend the beautiness of this. But verse 4, round about the throne were four and twenty seats. So we're going to go over to number 2 and see who's sitting around this throne. We see four and twenty seats, thrones. The words thrones and seats, same word. And upon the thrones were four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their head crowns of gold. And boy, this is where it runs the gamut on who these people are. I mean, I've read some stuff that, but you know what? Just read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. It, it, it's not that hard. And again, because as we go observing these people, we're going to see some things that, about them that make them stand in line. I'll just put it straight out who they are. Straight up. Apostles and the tribes. They're represented. Twelve tribes, twelve apostles. Twelve plus twelve is twenty-four. That's not too difficult. Not a stretch. But I read people trying to fit twenty-fours, twenty-fours everywhere. But how do you know this? I think because they say we were redeemed by the blood. Can't be an angel. Cannot be no created being of God that's got redeemed by the blood. So later on we see these ones. As they're redeeming. But what are these guys doing? I'm going to show you a sign also that this isn't nothing new. God showed us plain and clearly. All you got to do is an aerial photo and look down, boom, look at the tribes. And we're going to see that in a minute. The tribes of Israel, how they're scattered about. But what God did, even more so, and he saw, I saw the four and twenty elders sitting in the raiment, in white raiment, and they had on their head crowns of gold. And even that was so interesting. And that took me some really some digging to find this out. But it's in the Bible. But the first thing we got, let's go to Exodus. Turn through to Exodus chapter um, 28. And this is such a, just a beautiful analogy. I mean, Exodus, we, we know the story that coming marching out of Israel. You got how many millions of people? What did I say, Exodus 28? Millions of people. You might be trying to organize that mess. Let me say, I was a shop steward for a while, and just had to deal with a dozen people and a couple other unions, and I always called it like herding cats. I mean, I'm only dealing with 12 people, and I can't get no anybody on the same page. I get millions, and we saw what Moses went through trying to bring them out. But see, when you read these Bible, and you, if you've read your Bible in Exodus, and like when you go to Leviticus, and you read the you know, make 50 shekels, you know, the bells. on the, There's so many little intricate details that as you read them, it's like reading construction blueprint plans. I mean, boring. But it's not. Because God put every word in that Bible there for a purpose. Next is 28. Oh, one more off. Let's pick it up in, um, do-do-do-do-do-do. Now, just verse 17. God start. what he's doing is, God's, going to show us, and he's going to take the stones and he's starting to make an ephod, ephod about it, but even that, in verse 15, Exodus 28, 15, and thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work after the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it gold, a blue, a purple, of scarlet, a fine twine linen, thou shalt make it. It's just those colors right there, that's all the Lord, I mean, but I don't have time. Four square, and verse 17, and thou shalt set in it the setting of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be sardis and topaz and carbuncle shall be in the first row. And then the second row, third row, verse 20, fourth row, verse 21, Exodus 28. And the stones shall be the names of the children of Israel, 12 according to their names. That's what I just wanted to see. These 12 stones of Israel are near and dear to God. Nothing's by accident. But just to, just to give you one absolute, if you see the outline on B of God's love, you're going to see that these stones, the first one and the last one, just Reuben. You know, remember Reuben? I'd love to go in that story. Remember, Reuben got banished. When you go, when you look at the 144,000 coming down the line, the 12 tribes of Israel, you don't find Reuben's name no more. You don't find Dan either. Reuben sacrifices right because he wanted the pleasures of this world, so he gave up the firstborn status. Messiah should have been through Reuben. But instead, through his failure and neglect, and that's something we all have to guard our hearts. You say, God won't judge you. No, but God can remove you. Just like we were warned in the candlestick. You flirt with sin long enough, and you don't get yourself right with God. God just takes you out of the picture. 
and then you you lose the right to what would have been yours. And God has done that many a time. But he sets these stones, and he got the first one. If you, if you read the statement, the 12 stones represent the 12 tribes. And they do. And they're near and dear in God's heart, but they're also for, for judgment. But it, what I want to see is the first stones. Because Reuben, look at the first stone, firstborn, Reuben, behold the son. That was what Leah said. Remember the firstborn? She said, behold the son. What did God say? Behold my son. Hear ye him. See, God's picture of Jesus has always been there. Always has. It's right there in the Old Testament, in plain sight, hidden for all the world to see. And the last one, Benjamin, remember the last son, the one that Jacob loved. Jacob loved. And the son of my right hand. Well, where is Jesus? On the right hand of the Father, is he not? That's what God said. He's my son. And just do some couple of rocks. There's a story of God's love. But then we see it not just for the tribe of Israel, because what God did was, well, let me side check it up here. I'm going to speed up just to there. A little out of order. But the 12 tribes of Israel, if you see, here's the 12 tribes they shattered. Pretty much what happened. See Gad, Manasseh, Reuben, that side? That was always symbolic of Christians, just like most Christians today. They never crossed the Jordan. They never step over and really trust the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, with all life. They don't worship Jesus. They don't serve him every day of their life. They're too busy. They're on that side. They're like Laodicea. They ain't got time. They don't have time for Jesus. Well, that's what happened to these 12 tribes. Because they remember they were coming in the land. And they said, well, this looks pretty good over here. We don't want to continue. We'll just stay here. And not a lot of people settle. They don't read the Bibles. They don't grow in the Lord at all. They never, ever they get saved, they stay there, and that's it. They never grow. No fruit, no nothing. But see, that's that was the tribal allotment. And if you walk, walk down the list, let me show you one more. This is a tribal allotment in the millennium. You notice how there ain't nobody on that side of the river. Only the redeemed of the Lord is going to be there. God changed it. God changed the order a little bit. And if you ever go through the book of the Bible, the list, they're, they're never the same twice. I mean, you start out with the original birth rate, but all they're different scattered. But more times than not, you find Dan and Reuben removed from the list. And then you find Ephraim also taken off. Why? Because Ephraim introduced idolatry. If you go back to Judges, it was the first Ephraimite priest that introduced idolatry. And God judged Ephraim. And we saw that in Hosea. God wiping Ephraim out. The northern kingdom just gone. Anyway, just wanted to digress a little bit there. But... See, this is going to be near and dear to God's heart. The 12 tribes, I mean, we have to remember, we think that we are it. We're the church. That's it. I mean, God's, yay, he's going to redeem us. We say, no. Remember, we're the graft that was grafted in. Roman tells us we don't belong here. The promises were to Israel. They always are, and they always will be. God didn't change one problem. He said, if you can measure the sand of the sea, I'll forget them. When you can make the earth stop, rotating or the moon stops shining, I'll forget Israel. He never will. Everything that's being done is up to this point to bring Israel back to the land. Palestinian authority, bye. They're gone. All of them. Even the Syria, if you, if you look at the measurements of the land, the land is actually going to fit where God promised David. It's going to take it all the way to the river Euphrates, all the way into Egypt. That's going to be all Israel. Not today, but it's coming. That's what's coming. See, the, what happened is God took the church to provoke Israel. Israel was jealous. That's what God. That's what we're here for. We're to poke Israel, make them jealous. <laughs> God loves us, not you. No, 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 not that. Because Paul said his heart said all Israel be saved. And we want them to be saved too. But see, God's never forgot his love. So he set Israel aside. He cast them out the land. Once the Roman army wiped out that temple, that was it. Time of the Gentiles. 69 weeks. Then we're going to move into the 70th week of Daniel, which will fulfill God's promises. But all this is going to come on earth. And when Jesus, you remember the Olivet Discord, when Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the temple, well, there's going to have to be a temple one day, and there's going to be an idol in it. When you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, see, that hadn't happened yet. They've been, they've been pretty close. You had the 1967 war, but they all the armies of the world haven't surrounded Jerusalem yet. But Jesus said, when you see these, then what is Israel supposed to do? Run, flee. But then the judgments start. And the judgments. And God starts judging. And 
if we had time, we'd go into six seals and seeing how the God pours them out. But it's all for Israel, not for the church. That's why the church is removed. See, we're taken out. And until the people get so suffered, and, and when you start reading uh, Zechariah, the judgment, basically the Bible says two-thirds of the nation of Israel are going to die. So God says two-thirds, one-third will make it through. Most of the, the world at this point, billions of people are dying. They're dying by the millions. Can't even count them. One-third, one-third of the world, one-third of the world, one-fourth. The world's dying. Why? Because God is judging the world. For what? To make Israel come back. God's going to say, when Israel finally stands there, and they're going to say, Jesus. Remember the Bible says, where'd you get those wounds? Said, oh, I got them from my house, my friends. See, when they recognize those pierced hands and the hands of God that made the heaven and earth, then God says right then and there, wipes out the armies. Wipes them out. By the way, if you start reading some of the prophecies, it'll take them seven years to destroy the weapons. Seven years. Seven years is going to be burying bodies and destroying weapons. The Bible says it's going to use them for fuel. It'll be burning them. It's going to take them that long to clean up when all the armies conquered Israel. God comes down. But that's what we're seeing here. See, as we see nation Israel, and I'm, what I'm telling you, why I digressed off these four elders as it's a type in the shadow of Jesus and will come back full circle, is because as you see these tribes, here's another one for you. There. If you ever pictured God gave an order and command of how the tribes are to assemble, assemble around the tabernacle, Benjamin, Judah, tribe. And it's another amazing thing is these tribes, as they line up around the ox, the man, the eagle, Dan, they're all representative of the faces of the seraphims. See, God took these shadows, the shadows on earth, of how the tribes are arranged around. And then you're around the tabernacle, excuse me, and what's before the tabernacle? The Levites, the priests. There, what the Bible tells us, see, 24 hours around the throne. Everyone else is moves, moves in a different area. Excuse me, modern technology. Everybody's gathered around in a perfect area, showing their, their range and their types. But see, it's God looking at them. When God sees the seraphims, when God sees the 24 angels, what's he seeing? Israel, us. Because these are types, these are shadows that God's put in, in his word. And so as we look at these tribes, we see them scattered around, and we see in verse 4, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their head crowns of gold. What would you get crowns of gold from? Guys, ever did you ever really study what the high priest wears? You know the high priest has a crown on his head made of gold? First, he puts on a turban. And it's another, another amazing thing. I like. You know, I, <clears throat> turban just happens to be 24 feet long. Amazing. I don't know, 24, I don't know. Small coincidence. But they put a turban, and then they have a crown of gold. And know what it says? Holiness to the Lord. Now, we take this, and what does the Bible tell us back in Revelation? Remember in Revelation um, 1, when he, one, verse 6. Jesus, the faithful witness, verse 6. And have made us kings and priest unto his father, to whom be glory. How can these people be kings and priests? You can't be a king and a priest. Oh, well, yeah, you can. What about Melchizedek? Hmm? See, you can't be a priest. Because, see, David's the king. But David was never a priest, ever. David will never be a priest. But do you know that David's going to be ruling again? And we're going to go to the temple? We're going to see David sitting on his throne just like God promised him in that millennial temple. We're going to see him. But here, let's continue on. And we see these 24 elders, and look at verse 3. I'm taking it real quick and kind of see why it's a type and a shadow in a way, but yet they're to them. Look at the people who sit on the thrones. They're called elders, presbyterians. You know, Peter said, I am an elder. That might be one more link why I'm, I'm leaning at these other apostles. And, um, I don't think Paul will be there. I think the, the 12th apostle is, is Matthias because the Bible says the casting of lots is poison of the matter, if you know that story. But let's go on. The people who sit on the throne. We see they can't be tribulation believers. Why? Revelation 7 and 12, 13 tells us they're at the throne and all the angels are there. Can't be one or the other. So clearly they're a unique group to themselves. They're not angels. 
right? That's why they can't be angels. But who are they? They sit on thrones. What did Jesus promise the apostles? Did he not have promised them that they'd be sitting on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel? Jesus promised the apostles they'd be sitting on the throne. But the Bible tells us, Revelation 3, during the promises, we're going to sit on thrones. We are. Something else about these guys, which is kind of another little interesting stone. They're clothed in white raiment. Not black, not green, not brown. I mean, we read out about a lot of angels there in white. But time and time again, as we go through Revelation, <laughs> Revelation 3, 5, he promises us white raiment. Look at Revelation 19, 14, the last, some of the last. We're going to see that over and over again as we look at various types of people in uh, Revelation what did they say? Revelation 19, 14. When the armies, when we're coming back, verse 13, and they were clothed with vesture, Jesus dipped in blood, and his name's called the Word of God, 1914. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen. And the Bible just specifically mentions the word white. And then it mentions clean. See, again and again. So who's wearing these white raiments and clothes that are clean? Believers. People that got redeemed. So are these 24 elders. See, we're clothed in white raiment. They're clothed in white raiment. They got crowns on their heads. Revelation 4 and 3, we see that. They got crowns on their heads. So do we. Remember, Revelation 2, 10, the churches. But let me, we got a few minutes. I'm about three. Let's slide you through some of these real fast. I'll take you to Esther just to show you a picture and a type and an analogy. Esther's chapter 8. Remember Mordecai and all that um, he went through? Turn to Esther, Job, you know, go to Psalms, go to left. I'll go right. But in Esther chapter 8, we just have a picture. And this is, I only want you to visualize this picture that God does... Um, we have types and shadows of us. Revelation 8.15, I mean Esther 8.15. And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel. Remember Mordecai, it was, it, it's a wonderful story, Mordecai and Esther. But he came out in royal apparel, blue and white, and with a great crown of gold, and with a garment of fine linen. This time purple, that's royalty. And Shushan rejoiced and was glad. Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. I mean, uh, Zechariah. If you would, please. Zechariah. Micah, Zephaniah. Zephaniah, Zechariah, if that helps you out. Not Haggai. But in Zechariah 6, we know this story of Joshua becoming the high priest. God's telling him to clean him up. And um, pick it up. Zechariah 6, 11. Now God's telling him, he took these people from the tribe on the same day, and then he said, then take silver and gold and make crowns. There's only one Joshua, but he's making crowns. Make crowns and set them upon the head of Joshua. Wow, that's funny. How are those elders casting crowns? Because we get crowns for different features. But this is the type in the shadow. The son of Jodeh, the high priest, verse 12, and speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord a host. Hey, Jesus got something to say to Joshua. Saying, Behold, a man whose name is the branch. Wow, that's a whole nother world we go to the branch. Root of Jesse, stem, a branch, all named Jesus. But verse 19, he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne. Look at this, verse 13. And he shall be a priest upon his throne. That's only Jesus. He's our king, he's our priest, he's our Lord. Back to Revelation. See, these four elders, see, we have crowns, we're promised crowns. Um, there's just so much more I'd love to get into. Let's keep going. I'll give you another minute. And out of the throne proceed of lightnings. There. And out of the throne proceed of lightnings and thunderings and voices and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Boy, I could park on this bus for a month. Let me just suffice to say, God's throne. We saw his throne. His throne was on earth for a while. We saw the Ark of the Covenant. 
when he's going to be, but we see when he, later in Revelation, we, we see that the temple's open and the lightnings and the thunderings and the voices. You know, God, the Bible tells us in the Psalms that the Lord rideth upon the thunders. You ever hear that thundering, and boy, that grabs your attention. Don't you stop and understand the power behind that one voice? I mean, when you hear a thunder that literally vibrates your windows, the voice of God. I mean, that's powerful. See, when we hear heaven, when I saw, I looked, I seen uh, the trumpet loud, louder, loudest. Heaven is going to be loud. Plain up and simple. It's not a quiet place. There's always something going on. Well, for one, it doesn't get dark. <laughs> There's no nighttime, so it never stops. There is no sleep. There's no heat. There's no war. There's no more pain. Sorrow, thing of the past. Shame that we have to live in this life. All gone. All gone. Worries, care, money. Ain't here, Christian. See, this is what we have to look forward to. I've only got through five verses here. Still another six to go. How do you describe the awesomeness of our God that we serve? How do you worship him? You know how you worship Jesus? Just like this. Just like this. Down. Oh, this praise, oh, praise Jesus. Oh, baloney. No, you lift up holy hands to the Lord, yes, but that's not worshiping. You want to worship God, the only way you worship him is down, not up. Up is your arrogant pride that God's want to bless you. No, 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 no. Now raise your hands, singing love, joy, rejoice. Yes, 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 yes. Nothing wrong with that. The Bible says lift up holy hands. If cares, man's got it right, they just take it to an extreme. Baptists, we're dead. See, we don't love our Lord. That's why the church Ephesus, they lost their first love. You need to love Jesus. Do you read this book? Did you read one verse this week? Just one verse. Man shall not live by bread alone. How many meals did you miss? Did you miss lunch this week? Did you miss any dinners this week? Did you miss breakfast at all? But you never even cracked this book even for a second. To see what the love letter that God has... He loved us so much that he died. And the story, ah, just, just there's so much illustrations of here. As we go back, and I hope you'll take this sheet, just check some of these verses out. Follow, follow what I'm trying to show you that we just don't have time to do because the clock has fortunately run its course. And this is my last time here for a moment. But I just want you Christians to fall back in love with Jesus. Remember from whence I fall. Remember when you got saved. Remember the day you met the Lord. Remember. Don't forget it. Get back up and do right again. The righteous man falls seven times. Yeah, you've been six years, seven years. You haven't even darkened the door. Haven't even cracked your Bible. Pray. Oh, I'd love to take you to Daniel when he prayed. You start your prayer. Pray for our country. Pray for our president. Pray for our governor. Pray for your church. Pray for your people. And then pray for yourself. And with that, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you and praise you, Father, for giving us your word. And thank you for the marvelous future that you bestowed upon us, Father. We thank you, Lord. We are so unworthy of this calling, Lord. But we praise you for your goodness. 